Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling God, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into the full slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at undercover Greg at G underscore Frank underscore six as excuse me at G underscore Frank six as well uh, for my day to day sports takes, uh, which I know all of you love to consume. So again, at undercover Greg on gambling Twitter at G underscore Frank six as well. And we are a day late, but we're not going to be a dollar short, we hope, as we bring on for our uh, win bet opening line report. You know him as Joe Fan at Joe underscore fan with two N's on Twitter. Joe, thanks for your time. How you doing? I'm good, man. What's going on with you? Let me ask you this. Uh, how often do like when you would have a uh, a teacher at school that would write names down for whatever reason or when, whenever your name had to be printed or typed out, how many people would uh, – I imagine almost no one would uh, put that second N on it, right? Um, I've never really thought about my my name being weird. I mean, I, you hear like, are you a fan? You know, but <laughs> I didn't really think about it being that weird, and especially because my, my first name is Joe. It's just like the generic like, oh, yeah, Joe the fan. Um it wasn't until I had my first interview for in college for an internship and the program director of the radio station I was applying to um, was like, that can't be a real name. And I was like, so taken aback by <laughs> that question because I thought, what do you mean? Of course it's my real name. And then of course, you know, now essentially every radio hit I do uh, for the first time with a new group people or whatever, certainly when I was a beat reporter, I was doing more of that stuff. Um, you know, it was all the, that was the comment. Oh, he did. That's his real name. Or is that your real name? They always, <laughs> you had to make that <laughs> joke. So I've heard it a million times. Now I actually have my Twitter bio now. Like, yes, that's my real name. Uh, just to, just to <laughs> play fun at it. But yeah, for, I guess, 18 years of my life, I didn't realize it was that weird, but that I got into sports and it became a thing. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, start with this. And if you're new to listening to this and we kind of just Highlight some of the interesting games in the upcoming week's card in the National Football League as we're on to week 11 on the professional gridiron. And let's start with what all of a sudden now looks like a pretty interesting Thursday night football game as you have the Tennessee Titans coming off of a victory against the Denver Broncos traveling north to Green Bay where the Packers are a three-point favorite at Winbet, a total of 41. Joe, I know you were all about the Cowboys last week, but the Packers are able to get home outright as a five-point dog. Certainly a choke job from the Dallas Cowboys, up 14 points, needing overtime in the first place, and then 
obviously the highly questionable decision uh, from Mike McCarthy in overtime, one that you probably didn't mind if you were laying the five points, given that uh, there was a chance that Dallas still managed to get through the front door there and cover in overtime with a touchdown. But they turn it over on downs. Green Bay gets the win. And now it certainly seems like odds makers believing the Packers are back to being that team that everybody thought they'd be at the beginning of the season. I don't know that I'm ready to go there yet, seeing them as a three-point favorite against a team that may well be the third best team in the AFC after Buffalo and Kansas City. How do you see this one between the Titans and the Packers? I'm still so upset and butthurt and bitter about the Cowboys choking that game. I mean, that was what I felt like was my lock of the week. And, uh, and they were, they blew a you know, 14 point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, the, the pass interference on CD lamb, how you not call that on that third down player on the fourth down play, I should say. Um, but the defense was terrible. It just totally took the day off and got abused uh, on the ground. Yeah. The Packers are tough. Because what we saw on Sunday is nothing like what we saw during their five-game losing streak. And all of a sudden, Christian Watson breaks out for this 100-yard game, three touchdowns. Yeah. Aaron Jones goes, you know, for like, what, a buck 30? Uh, averages almost six yards per carry. Um, you know, my, my gut says take the points with the Titans here because – Mike Vrabel, for my money, is now at the, uh, probably a top three head coach in the NFL. I mean, all he does is win with no matter what the situation is. They're missing uh, they're missing Jeffrey Simmons last week. No big deal. 17-0 run to close the game. Didn't allow a single point to the Broncos in the second half. Um, they find ways to beat teams, uh, certainly teams that are of equal caliber, but but it also teams that are that are worse than them. They don't have the really ugly loss, it feels like, against inferior opponents uh, very often. And they gave the Chiefs everything they could handle a couple weeks ago, despite Malik Willis starting at quarterback. Um, another way I look at this, the Titans uh, have had five straight games go under 41. That's what the total is right now. And um, the Packers, before that outburst uh, last week, they hadn't scored more than 22 points since week five. So uh, sort of also kind of looking at the under maybe uh you know you tease titans and the under uh for a, a same gameplay but um i just don't know if one game from the packers makes me feel like they've figured it out yeah that's what makes this game so hard for me because i do think the packers window is gone right i mean they pretty much at four and six maybe they can afford to lose one game and they can probably afford to lose one more but certainly if they lose two more at eight losses you're sweating it as far as a playoff team so their window is gone but are we ready to trust them yet and that's kind of the back and forth that I'm not quite sure how to grapple with just yet yeah that's that's the issue um but I just don't think I'm right I think this the Titans are it's not going to be pretty which is sort of why I lean under um but the Titans are just they're just an annoying football team and they find <laughs> ways to to make it ugly and hang around. And, um, you know, will I end up playing it? If I play it, it'll probably be a tease uh, with the Titans getting extra points and then and then the under um, and just a kind of a same game tease. At, at, at probably you get those usually at minus one twenty is sort of where I'd like to like to play that um, if I'm going to have to do it. Yeah, hey, at the very least, from a non-gambling standpoint, it should be a more entertaining Thursday game, right? I know we haven't had many of them. Yes, correct. Yeah, I mean, it should be a lot of fun. Um, again, um, I don't know what to expect from this Packers team, and uh, I'd rather rather bank on or lean or err to the side of this still isn't a very good football team. They had one good game against a team they've, they've really dominated 
for a while. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is Dallas's boogeyman, certainly. Uh, if he's he's the owner of the Bears and the daddy of the Cowboys, um, <laughs> I, I feel like is sort of what his areas of strength are. And uh, yeah, for me again, I, I'm I'm going Titans. All right, let's go to a game in Western New York where the Bills have now lost back-to-back games and are out of first place in the AFC East. They're an eight-point favorite as Cleveland makes the short trip to the northeast of Cleveland, excuse me, to Buffalo, where the Browns are catching, as I said, eight total of 42 in the hook. Cleveland certainly didn't look like a team that was going to rejuvenate its season coming out of its bye week in South Florida last week, getting whitewashed by the Dolphins. Joe, level of concern at all with the Bills, or do we just kind of stop the is Minnesota good talk after that win last week for the Vikings? I think there's concern. Um, you know, I think it's it's very fair um, to be worried about the elbow of Josh Allen, even though it looked solid on Sunday. Uh, the interceptions from Josh Allen now leads the NFL in picks. Uh, the the fact they haven't scored a touchdown in the second half of three straight games and they've blown some leads along the way. Um, but I think y- you still know unquestionably what their ceiling is. Um, and so, you know, when you have Stefan Diggs sort of acknowledge, hey, I think we've, we've blinked a bit. You know, we've sort of, um, you know, coasted and expected that it was just going to come to us because we're so good. But, you know, they're getting every team's best shot. And so. I wouldn't say long term I'm really concerned about the Bills, especially because it seems like Josh Allen's elbow is okay. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to lay, lay eight with them. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook had a really nice game on the ground, uh, and Nick Chubb comes to town. We know how, you know, guys like Nick Chubb and, and Derrick Henry can sort of um, can kind of just you deflate the ball and, and you try to play the the, the, the clock and uh, field position and, and minimize the number of possessions each team has and, you know, make it a, you know, eight to 10 minute game, the fourth quarter, and maybe you can find a way to steal one. And, um, you know, I, I don't think Buffalo loses this game, but I just don't know after what I've seen the last couple of weeks, if I want to lay eight with them. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at on the bills. It's more of a uh, wait and see. And if there's concern, if this is a close game, then I think there's reason for legit concern. So, um, you know, we'll move forward and just, I, again, this is not one I expect to have a cent on, uh, but certainly interested in it from a Buffalo standpoint, if they can uh, kind of right the ship, if you will, after a couple of bad losses. Let's uh, go from Western New York to Northern New Jersey, where the New York Giants are just a three point favorite against the Detroit Lions. And Joe, uh, the total here is 46. But from a side perspective, I think we're seeing a lot of lack of trust in the New York Giants. And we've seen that, I think, from odds makers in a lot of spots. Go back, I go back a month ago when the Giants were an underdog on the road against Jacksonville. And here they are only giving three to a three and six Detroit team. I do think it's worth noting that the Lions, you know, obviously they did beat the Packers a couple of weeks ago and last week went on the road and rallied against the Chicago team that certainly looked more functional the last month or so. So, And, and also when they went to Dallas, the final score said 24-6, but they were in that game for a good portion of it against the Dallas Cowboys. So I think it's a Detroit team that, despite its 3-6 and six record, is trending in the right direction. And therefore, I don't think this is a crazy line. And I do think that the Lions might have a shot here on the basis that the Giants don't really blow anybody out. How do you see this one? Yeah, the Giants are sort of the NFC's version of the Titans. You know, they find a way to win games. It's never really pretty. It's not ever high scoring. They're they're limited offensively with a great running back. Um you know, they just have a quarterback who's a little bit more fleet of foot. 
Um, but I do think they're a defensive-led team uh, that has a star running back, certainly Saquon um, of the same ilk as Derrick Henry, and they just win games. And if they're down, they're resilient, and they, they, they've done a much better job than you know other teams that are mediocre or towards the bottom of the barrel in terms of managing negative plays, limiting turnovers, making opponents earn it uh, in terms of driving the full field. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do get why the line is only three. Uh, I probably will stay away from it because all these lines are so sharp. So it's hard to feel like you really have an edge. Um, and, and with how so many of these games have gone back and forth, I mean, just the Lions game against the Bears last week is such a perfect example that, you know, you could be well into the fourth quarter with a two-score lead feeling really good about which side you, you picked and, and then end up on the wrong side of it. So um, I, I will probably avoid this one, but but certainly, uh, you know, a Lions, the Lions a team that um, when they're playing well, they are very competitive and can keep up with anybody. That's the thing. I mean, I'm definitely seeing a competitive fire in the Lions that makes them – that's what you want to see from bad teams if you're going to bet them. You just don't want them to quit – and there isn't a quit in the, in the Lions. So I, I think they, they definitely have a chance there against the Giants. And I, I'd probably. Yeah, they're playing like way. a team trying to save their head coach's job. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So uh, let's move forward. And speaking of head coaching jobs, Jeff Saturday gets a win in Sin City last week against the Raiders. Whether that says more about the job he did or the Raiders is a conversation for another day. But, Joe, you know I'm an Eagles guy, and the Eagles are a six-and-a-half-point road favorite here. And I have to say, after last night, I'm a little concerned that there's maybe a bit of a blueprint out on the Eagles. It was only the Houston Texans the game prior, but Houston had a lot of success running the football. We saw Washington run, albeit not very efficiently, for 150-some yards last night. And Pittsburgh also ran the ball well. I saw a stat. It's three straight games now for Eagles opponents of over 140 rushing yards against the Eagles. And that is uh, the first time that that's happened against the Eagles since 2006. So I do think they're vulnerable on the ground, particularly without Jordan Davis, who's on injured reserve, clogging up the middle. And, you know, you keep Jalen Hurts and that explosive offense off the field, albeit we didn't see a lot from A.J. Brown anyway when he was on the field. Uh, It seemed like he was having traction problems last night. But nonetheless, I do think uh, kind of a ball control type of game uh, can be there to be had for Eagles opponents. And then you look at this game coming up, Indianapolis catching six and a half at home. Jonathan Taylor, certainly a running back that could allow Indianapolis to play that kind of a game. I'll just say this. I'm not running to lay six and a half on the road with the Eagles. If I'm the Eagles and I win the coin toss, I am I am sprinting to say we'll take the ball first because you want to put the Colts That's in the hole point. immediately. You know, the more you can make it a, a script that they have to be run averse um offensively the better you're going to be the eagles have one of the best pass rushes in all of football that's negated by a jonathan taylor led team if, if he's able to bust out for 22 carries for 147 yards and a touchdown like he put up against the raiders last week it, it shouldn't be that egregious i think the eagles have enough there certainly to, to be more competent than what las vegas is dealing with this year defensively and well all their whole team really but yeah i mean that's the recipe make, make matt ryan's a statue back there again unless you're playing the Raiders and he can rip off a 39-yard run against you. Um, but this matchup sets up perfectly for the Eagles' pass rush to dominate as long as they can keep the Colts in passing situations. So you got to win on first and second down, set up third and medium, third and long, 
uh, and then pin your ears back and go because that's in that case it's going to be a tough game for Matt Ryan in an offensive line that's really struggled to pass protect. Yeah, I think that's well said, and I guess. From a Colts perspective, I feel like it really doesn't matter who the quarterback is because Sam Ellinger is just not any good, and Matt Ryan is just a veteran that's washed up, right? Yeah, I I, I think – I don't know. I, I think it comes down – I think he, Matt Ryan certainly gives them a better chance to win. I think I saw enough from Sam Ellinger to, to understand, yes, you know, he might be more mobile, but as a passer, it's just so limited this – part of his career and with Matt Ryan there I think you saw an immediate jump in production again you have to throw all these caveats out because it's the Raiders and the Raiders are um just one of the worst frankly one of the worst teams in in all of football so yeah I don't know my my gut says that the Eagles cover here especially after that loss uh, you sort of get the monkey off the back of not having to think about the 17 and 0 season um and the Colts probably ultimately still aren't that good um, we haven't really seen anything from them all year that suggests otherwise. Um, but maybe Jeff Saturday really is the the secret sauce there that, that will make it go. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll be sprinting to bet on either side here. All right. Last game in the early window that I wanted to highlight, and that is the New York Jets heading up to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Both of these teams returning from their bye weeks. New York at six and three. New England at five and four. It's going to be a fun race. Not only in the AFC East, but in the AFC wildcard picture with the entire AFC East in the mix. Certainly, uh, you figure at least one AFC North team uh, in the mix for a wildcard. The Chargers figure to at least hang around. Uh, And, you know, so there's a lot of teams jockeying for positioning, and these are two of them. And we saw New England go to MetLife Stadium and win uh, less than a month ago. And now New England's a three-point home favorite, total of just 38 and a half. I suppose if you are a New England backer, you're encouraged by the fact that Mac Jones had that bye week to heal up and and get healthier. And from a Jets perspective, you have to wonder if they were able to use their bye week to dial up some more offense because that's really been the problem for New York while they did when we last saw them win outright against the Buffalo Bills as 13-point home dogs. Uh, I think sooner or later, the Jets are going to have to figure out a way to get some more offense going in their favor. Not sure if the New England defense is the team they do it against, but what do you think about this game between two teams that are flirting with wild cards in the AFC coming out of their bye weeks? Yeah, it's kind of a revenge spot for the Jets. They really blew that game against the Patriots. They lost 22-17, but, but you'll remember early in that game, Mac Jones throws a heinous pick six, and it's wiped away by a roughing the passer penalty that I mean, completely changes the complexion of the game because the, the Patriots went, and I think they got three at that point. And that's a 10 point swing. And with both these teams being so limited offensively, um, you know, it's hard to say that, you know, that doesn't, you know, that that lost the game for the Jets. I mean, there's just not enough opportunities to score to say otherwise. So, yeah, I think the Jets will have a chance here. Um, Garrett Wilson is, is the best skill player in this game. He's been tremendous as a rookie, despite, you know, dealing with some different quarterbacks in there and, and Zach Wilson coming back midseason from injury and, um, you know, they, they miss Brees Hall and, and more of the pressure is on uh, the rookie Wilson. So, yeah, man, all these numbers feel so sharp. It's just like, oh, you know, it's one one. Hey, this is a pick six that didn't go your way. You know, if you're a Jets better that week, you're you're feeling like you got robbed. Um, you know, so many of these games feel like that's how you're going to feel where like no matter how what the result ends up being, you're going to feel like based on what happened during the game that you were on the right side. Um, I'd sort of lean taking the points of the Jets. 
Um, you know, I, I like what I've seen from Robert Sala's boys this year, but um, I don't know what a crapshoot with a with a total at 38 and a half. I mean, you know, it's going to be a player two that decides it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It should be, again, another fun one to watch. Uh, not sure if I am running to bet it. Let's get to the late window, though, where we have maybe the best game of the week taking place in Minneapolis, where the Dallas Cowboys are a short road favorite of one in the hook, total of 48. And Joe, I'll just ask you, like, are you ready to believe in Minnesota after that road win in Buffalo? Having yeah, I mean, seven straight wins, but five of them they've trailed in the fourth quarter. And so I, there's a skill to it. I don't want to say it's just all luck, but man, I, I think it makes sense why the Cowboys are one and a half point dogs. I mean, you look at DVOA, the Cowboys ranked fourth overall, the Vikings rank uh, 17th, you know, with a negative DVOA number. And so the advanced analytics aren't super fond of the Vikings, although they, they do have uh, some talented pieces in the trenches, both in the offense and defensive line. Obviously, Justin Jefferson con- continues to be otherworldly. And, you know, that game-saving catch, I mean, he had several same game-saving catches, but one of the best catches I've ever seen, um, you know, and on a f- fourth and 18. I mean, just absurd levels of talent, clutch factor, all of it. Um, TJ Hawkinson's been a nice find for them. You know, for me, Eileen Dallas um i'm ready to be hurt again by these cowboys and i'm sure i'm going to because you saw them blow a 14 point lead <laughs> in the fourth quarter against the packers you know if and they're in the same situation based on what we've seen from the vikings uh it almost you would expect uh the same thing to happen but um i do think they're the better team and the, the better pass rush um you know i think dallas has to do everything they can to keep javon diggs um on justin jefferson whereas stefan diggs really wasn't anywhere or sorry uh uh Christian Watson was was really nowhere near um, uh, Trevon Diggs uh, last week at, at Lambeau Field. So a uh, little bit game of cat and mouse probably between those two. Um, but I, I still lean Cowboys and what, yeah, is absolutely unequivocally the, uh, the marquee matchup of the weekend. All right, let's get to the, uh, excuse me, one last game in the late window I want to touch on. It's an AFC North clash in the Steel City. Cincinnati laying four and a half against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bengals returning from their bye week here and a total of 41 Joe I wanted to think that maybe Matt Canada's offense for Pittsburgh would return from their bye week with a little more jolt and they'd look more functional Uh, but even though they won 20 to 10 last week and I had the Steelers I thought it was a good spot for them off the bye week with New Orleans on a short week having played Monday night against Baltimore the week prior it still looked like an offense for Pittsburgh that was kind of slogging along through the mud And, you know, this is obviously I I don't think Jamar Chase is going to be back yet for Cincinnati, but it's obviously a Bengals offense that can get up and down the field and score some points. So low total, though, here, sometimes I like to look at those totals and see if they're kind of tipping you off at all on the side. And when I see a low total like this, that certainly makes me think Pittsburgh might be able to hang in this game if there aren't as many points. Underdog Mike Tomlin in a divisional game is always something I like to back. Uh, But. At the same time, it really seems like an offensively challenged Steelers team. How do you see this one? Man, I've been on the wrong side of every Bengals game this season. You know, I think one thing when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's amazing how transformative a player T.J. Watt is and being back in the lineup of what they did, just dominating uh, the Saints offense. And and this is a defense that has been fine, but, uh, you know, certainly not dominant all year. And yet that's exactly what they were on Sunday um, you know, against an offense that 
has scored some points with with Andy Dalton uh, under center. So, yeah, I, I think Pittsburgh is a live dog here, um, especially we, we've seen enough from the Bengals offensive line to know that when it's bad, it's really bad. And, you know, if this offense isn't humming, it feels like it's going backwards and Joe Burrow is just getting hit and under siege on every play. So I could see that being the case. I mean, I think back to that Browns game where I was all over the Bengals thinking this Browns defense hasn't been very good. It isn't. It wasn't against Miami. It hasn't been all year, but they dominated uh, Cincinnati. Now you have a Pittsburgh. It almost feels like the exact same handicapping process um, with the Bengals as a road favorite. And I fell victim to it last time. I'll probably just avoid it altogether. Um, my gut sort of says Pittsburgh in this game, but that also means that Cincinnati will win by 30. So I'm just going to step aside and watch it and see what happens um, as we look to kind of continue to see if the Bengals are legit. All right, let's get to the primetime games now. At SoFi Stadium, the Chargers catching six and a half against the Kansas City Chiefs, total of 50 as I believe, yes, that is the highest total on the board in NFL Week 11. Joe, I got to be honest. I think the Chargers are a live underdog here. I'm not necessarily one for moral victories, but I certainly think you have to be encouraged by their effort on last Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers on the road. Seems like they might get both McKeenan Allen and Mike Williams back, so you like that. I look at this game and figure, okay, you go. I know a lot's changed, but you go back to Week 2, when these teams met in Kansas City, three-and-a-half-point line in favor of the Chiefs. Now it's six-and-a-half in the games in L.A. The Chargers are still in the mix. I know that a lot of people don't aren't all that impressed by them. But again, I look at the way they played on the road against the 49ers, a team that I, myself and a lot of people think are a Super Bowl contender. And I say, okay, like there's no give-up here. There's no lay-down element for the Chargers, despite – some of their unimpressive games so far. I think they can cover this number at home. What do you think? Man, I yeah, I mean, I always tell myself the Chiefs are going to blow teams out, and they never do. They're 3-5-1 against the spread, so it hasn't been super pretty for them. But then you look at the numbers, and they rank fifth in total DVOA, and the Chargers rank 24th. And they rank first in points scored and second in total yards against the Chargers defense that ranks 29th and 20th in points allowed and yards allowed. Um, you know, so like all of the edges – you feel like are in Kansas City's favor, but yeah, the Chargers are four and one against the spread in their last five against Kansas City. So um, getting back Keenan Allen and Mike Williams certainly helps them against the pass defense that ranks 25th uh, for the Chiefs. That's their that's their big edge. But um, you know, I also just I, I've watched the Chargers enough this year to say, gosh, this this football team is not very good. You know, I remember they got smoked at home by the Seahawks. Um, they almost lost to the Falcons on the road. Um, you know, a week later. Um, but yeah, what they did against San Francisco was really impressive. And it's hard to tell of whether that was the Chargers, especially defensively, where they're decimated by injuries, um, showing that they're going to still be competent to a degree the rest of the season. Or if the Niners offense trying to, you know, acclimate to uh, bodies coming back and all the skill players they have who want the ball and need touches, um, gosh, I don't know. I, 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 again, I don't, I feel like this whole board, I say the number feels perfect. And, um, certainly there's going to be points where you feel good about both teams. <laughs> I think if I had to, I would take the chiefs just because I'm of the thought that the chargers are, are, are fraudulent here, but, um, the chiefs have not done a very good job of, of covering spreads, uh, this season at all. So, 
um, maybe a game I just watch and enjoy rather than rather than uh, rather than bet. All right, let's wrap things up with a neutral site game in Mexico as the Arizona Cardinals meet the San Francisco 49ers. Arizona catching eight on a neutral field certainly would indicate that we may not see Kyler Murray uh, and perhaps the long travel for both of these teams might impact the fact that maybe they just don't send Murray on the trip altogether. How do you read the status of Kyler throughout the week and just how do you see this point spread? I don't know if, you know, I might, I might start the the theory that that Colt McCoy might make this offense a bit more competent than Kyler Murray, or at least a bit more dependable and less chaotic. Um, wow. You, you know, I, and maybe that's just they they played against a, a Rams team that's just kind of packed it in for the year. But you know, 26 of 37, 238 yards and a touchdown with no picks is certainly the game manager type performance you hope to see from Colt McCoy. Um, you know, that's what he gave you. And D hop still got his 10 for 98, uh, largely going against Jalen Ramsey. Um, so, you know, I don't know if this number changes at all with Kyler Murray, Murray, maybe a couple points. If anything, I don't know. I might lean Cardinals more. I do think that I, I'm going to, I'm going to bet the Niners tell, I guess I just go broke. Um, I will probably, <laughs> I'll certainly tease the Niners. Um, I might take the eight. I wish it was seven. Um, but yeah, I think the defense is dominant. I, I expect at some point the offense will figure it out um, and, and start to to really hum because there's just too much talent there for it not to be the case. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, has largely played pretty darn good football this year. Um, but I just think it's uh, there's just a lot of mouths to feed, you know. And you look at what they did with Elijah Mitchell; they gave him 18 carries. The Christian McCaffrey's 14 uh, on Sunday night. You know, G- George Kittle had two targets, one catch. Um, Debo Samuel, two catches, um, and, and four, uh, carries, I mean, just six touches for him. So I think there is sort of a, a, a work in progress for Kyle Shanahan to get sorted. Um, but yeah, I've seen enough of the Cardinals to, to feel okay about the Niners at eight. All right, there he is. He's Joe fan from WinBet at Joe underscore fan on Twitter. I'm Greg Frank at undercover Greg on gambling Twitter and shoot me follow for all my sports takes at G underscore Frank six. Always good to have you aboard, Joe, and uh, looking forward to hopefully being able to chop it again next week before Thanksgiving. Appreciate the time. Appreciate you, man. Talk to you soon. All right. He's Joe Fan. I'm Greg Frank. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your weeks. We're back with a pitch pod later on in the week. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. And, of course, please play responsibly. Thanks for tuning in.